0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. This is episode 345. I'm your host, Michael Montero. As always, I remind you, please make sure that you are subscribed and you click that notification bell so you never miss a live video. But if you do, it's all good. You can catch the replay later. If you prefer, you can check out the audio version on podcast platforms around the world. Just make sure that you're subscribed and drop us ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. And last but not least, uh, we do not charge a monetary fee on this show. The fee is simple. All I ask is that you guys share the show. If you get something out of it, share it, post it uh, on all your social media. Let your friends know what's up. We uh, spread this thing by word of mouth organically. Every single follower to this show has been uh, gained the old school way. We don't pay to play and do all those tricks over here uh follow me on social media montero on boxing on all the stuff uh well most of the stuff um instagram twitter facebook of course youtube all that good stuff all right guys so um we got some good stuff to talk about this week man some good fights coming together some stuff that we could actually be excited about so let me jump right into that some news and notes um by the way, if I look tired, it's because I am tired. So I know I keep saying that every week, but um not much sleep these last few days. Whew, it's been tough. My um, my little baby turned three months old today, so we're right in the thick of it, man. They say once you hit that six-month mark, things get get a little better. We're ha- halfway through it, you know. So so we're there getting there, but uh it, it's it's pretty touch and go right now. Um, but little Jackie's doing um She's doing overall a little better, um, still having some health issues, but she's a little scrapper. She's a little fighter. She's fighting through all that stuff and keeping such a great nature and smiling and everything. So uh, we're very, very blessed and very happy. Okay, let's get into this news and notes, guys. A lot of news this week, and then we'll do the review preview, all right? Um, and by the way, sorry we're starting a little bit late. It's uh, We're about 20 minutes late coming in. There was um, I had to do some system updates last minute. Got some um, notifications that there's some patches and stuff that came through. Figured, go ahead and do the update. Do the show late so that there's nothing technically wrong with the show. Because you guys remember earlier in the year, we had a couple of shows with no phones. Didn't want to have an issue like that again. So we got all the updates. We all good. All right. Let's start with something here. Um, everyone's favorite subject, pay-per-view buys, right? So uh, according to a press release from BoxingScene.com, Gervonta Tank Davis and Hector Garcia, their pay-per-view a couple weeks ago, sold about 200,000 pay-per-view buys. Now, um, there's all sorts of rumors about pay-per-view buys, and and Rick Glazer, who is – I don't know how to describe Rick. He's a guy that's kind of worked in and around the sport of boxing for the last few decades, and he said it did about 60,000. He has a source, and it did about 60,000. There was one guy out there claiming it did 450,000. It was just a fight fan who said he happened to know somebody. And some people believe that boxing scene says it did about 200,000. Let's take boxing scene at their word. Okay. Um, Look, do I, I, I have to mention this. Boxing scene is owned by the same parent company that owns Paramount Showtime, which is, PBC, obviously their platform. So it's a little bit in-house, you know, news press release there, but let's take them at their word. There's no reason to not take them at their word here. 200,000 pay-per-view buys. Um, there's kind of two ways to look at this. Now you guys know I've been pretty critical of Javante Davis's level of opposition in regards to the way he's marketed, right? And part of the way he's marketed by the the crew over at Showtime is they tell they tell us that he's this massive pay-per-view star. He's not. Massive pay-per-view stars don't do 200,000 pay-per-view buys. Canelo Alvarez last year fought Dmitry Bevel, okay? An unknown fighter, way more accomplished than Hector Luis Garcia, but nowhere no more known globally than than him i mean let's be honest um at least i shouldn't say globally i should say here in america with casual fans okay dimitri bivol not a name respect him love him as a fighter but he's not a household name and um on on the zone the streaming app the zone that's where canelo fought bivol and it was a pay-per-view and they did over half a million pay-per-view buys in the united states alone all right that's not counting Everything internationally, which it did massive international numbers, which all Canelo fights do, and that was against a Russian fighter during the time where there was a you know a Russian versus Ukrainian war going on, all sorts of political stuff going on there. But more than that, it's onto the Zone streaming app, which is not like a mainstream um, <laughs> media source with a bunch of tentacles, you know, uh, throughout the whole media landscape, like Showtime is right? Showtime, CBS, Paramount, that's part of the, you know, the, the old school media infrastructure. DAZN, how many, what percentage of Americans even know what DAZN is? 5%? Maybe? It's nowhere near 10% of Americans even know what DAZN is. So again, to put things in perspective, Canelo does half a million pay-per-view buys, actually more than that in the United States, on this relatively small, unknown platform. Javante Davis is part of you know the the old school media apparatus being on Showtime. He does two hundred thousand pay-per-views. I'm not saying that to put Javante down. I'm saying that to just level set. Okay, I would not call Javante Tank Davis a pay-per-view superstar. All that being said, I think what you could honestly claim now for Javante Tank Davis is that of all the American-based fighters, particularly Young and I use young with quotes because he's almost 30, but younger, under 30 American fighters, Gervonta is the biggest pay per view draw. That is a proven fact. The Charlos have done pay per views, you know, um, other fighters have done them. Some of Spence's pay per views have been around 200, 250,000 himself. The Charlos, it was like around 100,000 or something. I don't remember the exact numbers, but Tank fighting a guy like Garcia doing 200,000 buys. I think that shows that he's kind of the guy now, right? Um, So I, plus, plus he is a proven ticket seller. The guy has sold tickets in multiple markets on, on both coasts, up North, down South. Um, he's sold tickets. So, um, That's really, really important. When you could sell tickets, you don't have to go to a casino to do that. When you could go to real sporting venues in real American cities like Atlanta, like Baltimore, you don't have to go to L.A. and New York, which are their own country, really. They don't really count in that respect. I mean, you want to sell out venues there, okay? But can you do it in middle America? And Tank can. So um, I think that's important. And so, so the brand is there. However, I, the guy isn't what I would call a crossover star. And he's been marketed to a niche audience, a bubble within a bubble within a bubble. To branch out, he's going to have to fight bigger names. He's going to have to expand his base and get break out of that niche group that he's marketed to. He, he does trend in a niche corner of the market, of the market, uh, the media space, I should say. He does trend there. But outside of that, more mainstream, he doesn't. So um, they definitely have something they can build on with Tank. Some of the rhetoric used to promote him is exaggerated. And if you call that out, they get really upset at you. You know, I'm persona non grata, just one of several um, that uh, over on that team. They don't like me because I just tell the truth about what's up. But the thing is. Take versus this level of opponent in these showcase fights where they're bringing guys up in weight or fighting old guys, whatever it is. Um, he's th- These shows are profitable enough, okay? You could figure that, let's say this fight made like $7 million in pay-per-view revenue after they have to pay to all the pay-per-view providers and all that. Let's say it made $7 million or so. Plus the, the gate that it did, they, they sold, I think, 19,000 tickets or something like that. I don't remember the exact number. Um, but it did a good live gate. So you factor all that in, he's making several million dollars here and the promotion is making good money. They're making seven figures too. So everybody's happy. Everyone's making money right now with the current business model for Javante Davis. So to a certain extent, it's like, well, if it ain't broke, why would you fix this? Right. But at some point they're going to run out of opponents and they're going to have to step it up. And hopefully this is the year they do that. Right. Apparently in April, they're going to start with that. So more about that in just a second. But uh, let's talk about a couple fights that are getting canceled and postponed. And then we're going to talk about some fights being announced, which, guys, if the fights come off that are being reported, if they actually come off March through June, we got a lot to look forward to, man. A lot. So it's, it's positive. It's good stuff. So I'm excited about this. Um, but real quick, uh, Adrian Broner, Hank Lundy, that fight's canceled as of now. And remember Broner was supposed to fight Ivan Redcatch in Atlanta next month. I think, I think it was in February Redcatch, There was some issue with the promoter. And so he got scrapped some beef he had with, I think Joe DeGuardia. It was, it was a mess. So he got scrapped off the car. They put Hank Lundy on problem was, Lundy apparently had a fight scheduled in California and a, the contract was signed and it was locked solid. And, He's claiming that the contract's no good, but the California Commission's siding with the promotion. I can't, it's a club promoter out there in Cali. And uh, so the California commission said, no, no, you're suspended, bro. You, you can't sign a contract to fight here. And then just run over there and fight in another jurisdiction. You got to fight here. You have a contract. That's basically a legal, you know, binding document that you got to fight here. So California suspended him, and uh, he, he's no longer on the card either. So, that whole show is kind of snake bitten right now. I don't know if Bro- the Broner fight's going to come off. I don't know what the hell is going on with it. It's in Atlanta. I live in Atlanta. So, you know, people have asked me, Hey, what's the scoop, man? You got some inside scoop. I really don't. Um, I do know a few people that are helping with the show. I know some people on the matchmaking side of things on the promotional side of things, um, ticket side of things. And I've talked, I've reached out to a few different people. I do have some information, but I'm, I'm I don't know if I need to go public with some of it. It's just, I'll just say it's been um, a bit of a circus putting that show together and the people involved in it, are, they're catching up uh, to the game that they're very new to. And there's some growing pains. There, there's some, um, what is it called? A uh, learning on a curve or you know, like that kind of there, there's a learning curve. So they're learning. They're kind of getting a crash course with this show. I'll just say that. Um, so I don't know what's not what's going on. Um, on, another one, this is a buzz kill here. Josh Taylor hurt again. I don't know what's going on. Josh Taylor's body just must, he might be one of those guys whose body is just starting to break down. I uh, remember Murat Gassiev. He was just got bitten with injuries and he's just hasn't been the same since that loss to Usyk. Right. I want to say that was like 2017, 2018. He's barely fought since then. Well, Josh Taylor, Mary, he was supposed to do that rematch with Jack, uh, Jack Catterall last December, and then he got hurt. So they postponed it to this March. Well, he just got hurt again. So now it's been postponed once again. That fight feels snake bitten. And Taylor, who's been trying to do the right thing by doing this rematch with Catterall, because their first fight was close, it was very controversial, the decision A lot of people thought Catterall deserved to win or maybe a draw was just. Taylor ekes out the decision and he's trying to do right by the fans. And I think for his own legacy to prove that that was like a fluke and he wants to do the rematch. Well, it's taken over a damn year by the time this all comes off because of the injuries and all the delays. And he's pretty much lost all his belts. The guy's been stripped of multiple belts. So it's really, really cost him. At this point, you got a question. Is it worth it? I don't know. But I guess it's still the plan that Taylor's going to fight Caterall later this year. Um, Who knows? I mean, coming into the first fight with Caterall, he had injuries in camp. He had COVID. There were issues, right? And he wasn't 100% for that fight. Is he going to be 100% for this rematch? I don't know. Uh, It's hard to think he'd be anywhere near 100% for this rematch. So it's going to be another tough one for him. We'll find out. Okay, let's talk about some fights being announced for 2023 so far. And I want to preface. Want to preface. To my knowledge, none of these are signed, sealed, delivered, 100%. Um, like the contracts are done, and it's it's like on the schedule. Okay, I, these it's rumored. These are reports. I have to say that because so often now we hear agreed to terms and statements like that about fights and then they don't come together, right? They, they fall through. So I just want to make sure I preface with that, but if these fights come off that I'm about to announce guys, the first half of this year, we've got some great stuff to look forward to. And then if you think in the second half of the year, we are very likely to get Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usyk. If you believe the parties involved, we are still it's possible we get Spence versus Crawford I don't know but um it's also possible that we get Canelo Bevel at 168 that rematch at 168 which is interesting so um we got some great shit to look forward to man I'm really really positive I'm going to I'm going to be an optimist about this I want to be a pessimist uh that's I guess my nature um maybe I'm a little jaded but listen last year in 2022 Us boxing fans, we bitched a lot, and justifiably so. We had a lot to bitch about. There there was just so many fights that were delayed, postponed, and just ridiculous excuses. And if you just told the truth about how stupid the excuses were, the establishment guys went after you. I was attacked multiple times by guys like Steven Espinoza and others throughout the year just for talking about like just bullshit of what was going on all is forgiven if they get this shit together this year so let's talk about it so apparently in march in australia tim zoo is going to be fighting tony harrison now is this good is this you know hagler Hearns 2.0 no i'm not i'm not trying to suggest these are all-time great level fights but guys this is a good matchup and for Zoo, who knows what's going on with Jermell Charlo at this point. I don't know if he's ever going to fight a junior middleweight again. I really don't know what to make of the Charlo-Spence situation. Part of me thinks both Charlo's and Spence are going to move up and wait this year, all three of them. It, it just kind of makes sense with the way they maneuver those careers and the way that they've managed them. I like that Zoo's not sitting around just waiting. I like that he's fighting Tony Harrison. I for, for my money, and we've talked about this on the show, I thought Tony Harrison would have been a fantastic opponent for him to fight before facing Charlo anyway. Harrison is just good enough to, to where I think he can really give Zoo a really hard time, maybe even drop him, maybe be far ahead in this fight halfway through and fade down the stretch, maybe get dropped once or twice himself and Zoo pull out a really close decision. And really have some growth on the job. This is great matchmaking for Zoo and for PBC. Um, Harrison's a good fighter. He's more of a front runner. You know, after the fifth round, he does fade really, really fast. He's a five round fighter built for the amateurs. As if pro boxing fights were five rounds, Tony Harrison would be undefeated. He'd Maybe be an undisputed champion right now. Seriously, is that good for the first five rounds? I think he's going to give Zoo a really, really good fight. I like Zoo to edge this. I really do think he'll edge it, but he's going to have to learn on the job in this fight. So this is a fight with real implications because if Zoo is going to be the guy that challenges Charlo, which apparently they have a contract and apparently they're going to honor that later this year. That's another fight. Look, if we get that in the second. If Zoo beats Harrison and is impressive doing it, and then later this year we get Zoo versus Charlo, that's a better fight than a, when it was first signed, right? Charlo will be coming off a layoff um, injury, and Zoo will be a little more proven, a little more battle-tested, a little more experienced. It just makes that fight better. So I love fights like this. I love fights where there's a build, where there's something to it. So I like that matchup a lot. Also, um, apparently in March in Las Vegas, we're going to get David Benavidez versus Caleb Plant. Now, this is going to be pay-per-view. It's not a pay-per-view-worthy fight. Neither of these fighters are stars. They should not be fighting on pay-per-view. I hate that part of it. I hate that part of it. I also hate the fact that this fight's probably three years too late. I hate the fact that Benavidez lost his belt outside the ring. And then at one point, these two guys should have been fighting to unify the division, to become the number one in the division. That should have happened a while ago. All that being said, I like this matchup. This is a great contrast of styles. I think they're in Vegas. Uh, Plant is from Tennessee, but he's based in Vegas now, so he'll have some fan love out there. His profile has grown since fighting Canelo Alvarez. Even if you lose and get knocked out to Canelo, when you fight the main man, your profile rises. right? So even in a loss, that raised his profile. And so he'll have some fan support there in Vegas. For Benavidez, he's from uh, Arizona. It's not that far. So his fans are going to drive up to Vegas. He's going to have a ton of fan support there. It's going to be a Benavidez house. Going to be a fun fan atmosphere, man. And I like that style matchup. Um, the winner of that fight is the clear number two in the division behind Canelo. Canelo's the guy, he's the undisputed champ. But the winner of this fight, particularly if it's Benavidez, right? Because Plants already fought Canelo and came up short. But if Benavidez wins this, it creates a legitimate top contender for Canelo and at that point there will be massive demand to see a Canelo Benavidez fight. So I love it. Now, going back to what I said a minute ago, if Canelo and Bevel fight at 168 later this year if Bevel's able to move down in weight and they do that fight, we might be talking about Bevel Benavidez for the undisputed super middleweight championship in early 2024. How do you like the sound of that fight? Because I, obviously I, I favor Beevil to beat Canelo, even if it's at 168. I do think it'll be a much closer, tougher fight because of the weight cut. But I do think Beavil would win again, even at 168. He'd be the undisputed Super Middleweight champion. If Benavidez beats Plant, which I think he should, although I got to say, Benavidez's resume is dog shit. So it's it's very possible Plant could Show that he's a level above that guy and just box circles around him and he could win. Either way, the winner of that fight ends up fighting brand new, undisputed super middleweight champion Dimitri Beevil early next year. So, this is a fight with major implications as well, which I love. I love, love, love. Then in um April in London, Joe Joyce versus Zle Zhang, Big Bang Zhang, who came off a uh, Impressive performance against Philip Hergovich last year that a lot of people thought he may have won that fight. It was close. But uh, Joe Joyce, undefeated, he's like a wrecking ball, right? Zhang kind of fights like a wrecking ball. He's definitely improved, um, definitely way better than he was several years ago when he was really starting to get on the consciousness of of fight fans as a heavyweight uh, prospect. He now is a legitimate, bona fide heavyweight contender. I love this fight. Guys, this is going to. These two fighters, they don't do finesse. Joe Joyce and, and Zelay Zhang do not do finesse. This is going to be rock and robots between two giant men. These two guys combined are going to weigh over 500 pounds. It is going to be 500 pounds of meat banging into each other uh, for however many rounds this lasts. This is going to be fun. It's not going to be. It's not going to have the beauty and artistry of the Chocolatito Estrada fights. I'm not trying to suggest that, okay? But it's going to be brutal violence. It's going to be fun. I am looking forward to that one. Uh, Let's see. Also in April. Now, now again, we don't know what's going to happen here, but Javante Davis, Ryan Garcia, they're supposed to fight in Las Vegas in April. That will be pay-per-view as well. Personally, I don't think that's a pay-per-view worthy fight, but it's It's the world we're living in, right? So that's going to be a pay-per-view. I hate that it's a pay-per-view. Again, in a perfect world, these guys would have already fought. This would be like a rematch or something, but we're not living in the 90s anymore. I get it. Okay. Javante Davis has court dates uh, next month for that hit and run. I know a lot of you out there, a bunch of you in the chat and a bunch of you guys um, who you've called in and you really strongly feel that Javante Davis is going to do jail time. I got to say, I talked to a couple police friends of mine last week about this. Talked about the charges, talked about where it took place. Um, It it took place in his home state where he is a brand. He does bring revenue in, um, tax revenue. and. I, I've been told by both of my cop buddies, he ain't doing jail time. It's going to be your typical slap on the wrist, suspension, and a heavy fine to the state, his home state. Cha-ching. That's all the – these this, the judge, the de- – I think the judge wants him to sweat a little, and that's why she rejected the plea bargain deal. Judge wants him to sweat a little, stand trial, be made an example of a little bit publicly, and then they can slap a big fine on him. Uh, maybe a suspension or, I'm sorry, what's the word I'm looking for? Probation. Probation. That's what's been told to me by my cop buddies. And I'm going to go with their word. They know a lot more about this shit than me. And I described all the charges and exactly what happened. I also described that this guy is a young athlete worth millions of dollars with millions more of dollars on the line. And he is backed by the establishment. He's backed by Steven Espinoza. He was an extremely powerful, influential person and Showtime, CBS, Paramount. Guys, you may as well have the president of the United States fighting for him. Honestly, he's not going to jail. I believe this fight's going to happen. I I do. I I don't think Tank is going to jail. I think we get this fight in April. It's a great freaking fight. The winner will be catapulted into what I would call budding star status the loser, you know, look, if it's a close fight, maybe it sets things up for a rematch and we get a rivalry here. American boxing desperately needs a rivalry. If you look at the last few rivalries in this sport, they involve fighters that weren't American. Canelo Golovkin, their three-fight series. I talked about Chocolatito Estrada, their series of fights. Uh Manny Pacquiao had several with um with different fighters from Mexico. So um and there's others I could point to, but a lot of the rivalries, the, the the rematches and the trilogies and stuff, it didn't involve American fighters, or at least it didn't involve two American fighters. You could talk about Wilder Fury. I don't think that was that much of a rivalry because Fury was so dominant, but okay. If you want to go there, okay. But that's one American fighter. This would be two American fighters in their prime, young guys. So if there's a close fight and it could go either way and there's controversy, it sets up a rematch. There's a lot of good possibilities here. All right, uh, two more. In May, Vasily Lomachenko, Devin Haney, apparently that's happening in May. Love that fight. Love that fight because, again, you talk about implications, right? What could happen after? What's the build? If Lomachenko wins, he's the undisputed lightweight champion of the world he's already a first ballot hall of famer, but if he beats a guy look on paper, I'm going on record on paper, Devin Haney should not only win this fight. He should win it pretty decisively. Like he should, he should win this fight clearly on the cards on paper. If you look at where these guys are at in their careers, the trajectory over the last couple of years, who they fought and all that good stuff. Um, Haney should win. So if Lomachenko were to win, He'd be turning back the clock. it would be proving some of the haters wrong, you know, that kind of thing. He'd be an undisputed champion, which I don't think he's accomplished yet. Um, By rights, he should have been possibly undisputed at lightweight at one point, but we want to get into that whole thing. Um, But he'd be undisputed, and it would just take him up another notch. The legend of Lomachenko would bump up a little bit, and then he ends up fighting Shakur Stevenson next, which is what top rank wants. Ultimately, they want to get all these belts in the hands of Shakur Stevenson because that's their guy. They they really are all in on Shakur Stevenson and that business, right? Now, if Haney wins, then we end up getting possibly Haney versus Stevenson. That might be a little bit harder to make, actually. Haney and Stevenson. It's going to be difficult. It's going to have some uh, remnants of, like, Tank Davis and, and King Ryan Garcia. It's going to be difficult to make for several reasons, but if they can make that, then once again, you have a fight between two young, undefeated American fighters. That's big, we need that more in American boxing. and to be for the Undisputed Lightweight Championship and Haney would have had his signature win by beating Lomachenko, even though he's undersized and he's over the hill, he's faded. O- okay, all those, it's fine. It's still Lomachenko, a first ballot Hall of Famer. He'd have that win on his resume, and you'd have that feather in this cap and then him and Stevenson fight. That's a big deal. So there's build there. And then last but not least in June, they're talking about in Japan, Tokyo, Nayoya Inoue versus Steven Fulton. Guys, if this comes off, awesome fight, absolutely awesome matchup. And there's a million ways to look at this as well. Um, Fulton, a naturally larger guy, so he probably won't get as much credit if he wins because on paper he should win. He's the naturally larger guy, he's fought his whole career at junior featherweight. In a way, would be moving up in what is fourth weight class, I think, fourth, fifth weight class. So, um, he maybe wouldn't get the same type of props if In a way were to win. However, Fulton traveling to Japan for this fight. I do think gives him more props because he's going on the road, which is something we don't always see with American fighters. So I think he get, he'll get tremendous credit there. Uh, also, people have asked, you know, how did this fight come together so easily? And again, this is assuming it comes off, okay? Could be the bait and switch, we'll have to see, but I really hope this comes off. Because, you know, Al Heyman fighters, they do not work across the aisle. They don't take tough fights most of the time. But there is a track record, guys. When Al Heyman fighters go to him and say, I want this effing fight, make it happen. Al listens. Ultimately, he caves and he makes the fights these guys want when they demand it. And there is a track record of that. I can point to several instances where these types types of fights have happened. Now, the finances of this are different than the situation with Errol Spence at welterweight, Stephen Fulton is not going to make anywhere near the amount of money fighting Akhmedailev, which they've been in no rush to make that fight and, you know, go on speeder at 122, right? He ain't going to make anything, <coughs> anything in that fight or fighting Salim, any of those guys. He's making substantially more fighting way, specifically in Japan, where they're going to pay more to get him to travel over there. So the amount of money he's going to get is ultimately why this fight's happening. For someone like Spence, he's going to get more money with Crawford than he would with anybody else. Yeah, I think that's true, but it's not that much more. And he's been able to get seven-figure paydays against Porter, against Garcia, against Thurman. So that's why they're going that route. So in this particular instance, it's just a little different. And I think that's why Fulton ultimately was willing to do this and why PBC was willing to do it because they don't normally do this sort of thing. So look, props to everybody involved in all these fights. If they come off, if we get these in the first half of the year, that's major, man. That's major, especially after such a letdown of a year in 2022. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm bullish. I'm happy about this. Uh, okay um let's do some review preview all right guys want to make sure i'm not missing any super chats i'm already losing my voice uh, man oh man okay uh last saturday january 21st i'll talk about this uh Don king card in a second but let me get to the real card okay Manchester, England on the zone. Liam Smith, TKO4 win over Chris Eubank Jr. in the main event. Upset special. But also on the undercard, real quick, uh, Richard Rakpour, I'm sorry, I know I've completely butchered that name. Richard Rakpour improved a 16-0 with a TKO four win over Christoph Golvaki, who has now lost three of his last four going back to 2018. has been stopped in every loss. It's time for him to hang up those gloves. Uh, for, for Rajapur, though, definitely a guy to keep an eye on A cruiserweight. That division's wide open. Wide open. I'd love to see him versus uh, Lawrence Okole, And the promoter involved said they're willing to make that fight. So if we get that fight this year, that's an awesome fight at cruiserweight. Also at heavyweight, Joseph Parker scores a unanimous decision win over Jack Massey. Parker didn't look particularly great in this fight. He's done as a serious heavyweight contender. He's just done. Parker always fights down to the level of his opposition. It's just his mentality. And on paper, he should have stopped this guy. Uh, Massey had lost already to Reactpour when he was at a cruiserweight. He moved up in weight for this fight. Parker, naturally, much larger Uh, stronger, more explosive, fought against the much heavier punchers. And he just, he he won the fight. I mean, don't get me wrong. Absolutely clearly won. It was basically a shutout. But on the surface, it's like, man, you just think he should stop this guy. Anyway, main event, let's talk about this. Um, Okay, let me me say this real quick. I saw a thing on Twitter, a couple people suggesting that perhaps uh, Liam Smith's elbow is what caught Eubank on the chin or the temple or whatever. And that's what really knocked him out. Get, stop with all that. Liam Smith won this fight fair and square. And really, what it was is in the fourth round, Eubank was backed into the ropes. It was basically trying to do a Canelo impression and use a bunch of head movement and slip a bunch of punches. And Smith let his hands go. And you know, I've heard it often. I, I know a lot of you guys, if you've done any kind of training or competitive fighting and boxing, you've heard this expression, but sometimes the best thing you could do is just keep on punching. Just throw punches. Generally speaking, nothing bad is going to happen if you let your hands go, as long as you're fundamentally sound and defensively responsible, of course, but just let your damn hands go. In this particular instance, You know, Eubank dropped his hands. It was just trying to do the Canelo slick head movement thing or a little bit of Roy Jones It was training him. And Roy, it just ain't working as a trainer because Roy, as a fighter, broke all the rules. Roy knows his boxing, don't get me wrong. Roy Jones is a boxing encyclopedia, but it's going to be difficult for a guy like him to teach anybody because 99.999% of people he meets are less athletic than him, period. Because Roy in his prime was an athletic freak who also could fight. So that's a whole another discussion for another day. But Eubank was basically trying to like just slip punches. And eventually, it was actually a short, straight right hand that got in first that was aimed at Eubank's chest. That's another thing that Smith did very, very well in this particular sequence. He didn't throw the same punches with the same angles. He switched it up. He did some forty five, some hooks, some uppercuts, he punched down, he punched up, right? It was different angles. And he kind of bent his knees and shot a, a right hand. It was it a was right hand toward Eubank's chest. Eubank moved his head right into it. I can't remember if he dropped into it or he rolled into it, but he moved right into it. He never saw it. And it wasn't the hardest punch in the world, but it was enough to where he was hurt. And then there was a follow up barrage. And a huge left uppercut landed in that. Eubank was down, and he was done. Got up, bravely got up because he wants to keep fighting. He's a proud, brave fighter. And the referee ultimately stopped it when he went down again. Uh, I had no problem with the stoppage. Some people thought it was a tad premature. I get it. He was done, guys. Now, Eubank. Eubank. Has had an iron chin up to this point, never been hurt. And so it was shocking for people to see this knockout because Smith isn't known as a big puncher. He was moving up from junior middleweight to middleweight. Eubank was clearly the naturally larger guy. He had fought up at 168 at super middleweight against bigger punchers than Smith. How did this happen? Uh, sometimes, guys, you don't have to be the biggest puncher in the world. It's just about landing that shot that your opponent doesn't see. Also, I do think it's fair to say that Chris Eubank was probably a little overtrained for this fight. You guys got to remember he was in camp uh to fight the kid, um uh Connor Ben, right? And then Ben was using performance-enhancing drugs, he got caught, so that fight blew up, but that fight was at a catch weight, and Eubank was melting himself down to make that catch weight. So he was already kind of spent. It had gone through camp, almost a full camp, and then went into camp for this fight and did like kind of a mini camp. So rhythm, that's a term that is used a lot in boxing. When, when a lot of fight fans hear the term rhythm, they think about in a fight, during a fight, a fighter's rhythm with his punching, his defense, you know, his movement. But there's also rhythm as an athlete in terms of your training, your lifestyle. Your diet, and that is a cyclical thing. A lot of fighters these days fight twice a year, so they have a a quarter in camp, a quarter off camp, a quarter in camp, a quarter off camp, right? The years divided into four quarters, and so that's their rhythm. And if you get a fighter out of their training rhythm, they're not necessarily at their athletic peak, they're not at their physical peak. Um, and it it could be you know there's science behind this. I mean, your hormone levels, your testosterone, all these different things that are peaking during your training camp. You may not have all that going for you the same way if your rhythm is thrown off and your camp is thrown off. And I think that's where Eubank was here. Of course, I'm not saying any of that is an excuse. I mean, Smith came up the hard way, he has stamped his passport, he has gone on the road, he has been willing to fight Canelo, Mungia guys like that in their adopted backyard. He took a beat down against Canelo in front of tens of thousands of screaming Mexican-American fans and Mexican fans. Um, I think that was in Texas. Yeah, yeah, Texas. And um, which is, again, that's Canelo's adopted backyard. Smith has shown brass balls and going, taking those lumps, taking those ass whoopings has taught him something. He's gotten better from it. He's battle tested. Yubake, on the other hand, comes from a more privileged situation. You know, just in in general, in life, in his upbringing, but then also in the ring. He's had thing's kind of easy. He's been able to kind of feast on lesser opposition. He has fought a couple of top names here and there. He's fought a couple of legit dudes. But for the most part, he's been a guy that has been very popular, has a lot of fans, and hasn't necessarily had to earn it earn that fandom and that popularity by fighting the absolute best of the best. So this was a situation where I think Smith caught Eubank at the perfect time, caught him a little bit off rhythm, maybe a little overtrained, maybe a little physically drained and took advantage of his moment. And it's, it's hard not to feel happy for the guy because he's had to earn it the hard way. And that's fun to see in boxing. When you see like a, a lunch pail guy, like a blue collar guy, Kind of earn it and uh finally get like his I don't know what the right word is his moment. And I think for Smith, this was his moment. Now, uh, maybe they do a rematch and everyone's like, Well, what happens next? Does Liam Smith fight Gennady Golovkin? You never know, something like that could be possible. Um, is there a rematch between him and Eubank? That's possible, but the guy's got options as for Eubank. Uh, some people are saying his career is over after this. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that he does need to get more serious, though. Kind of clowns around a lot. And he, he's got a herky-jerky, athletic kind of style. And, like, if, if when that works for you, it works for you. But when it doesn't work for you, it's bad. Ask Roy Jones. How his career end? You know, the first two-thirds of his career was brilliant. But that last third or so was rough. So, you know, at some point you got to develop them fundamentals, man. I don't know. Um, But that's what I saw in this fight, guys. That's what I saw. Um, So, again, I think the lesson from this fight is sometimes the best thing you could do as a a boxer, just let your damn hands go. Especially when you got a guy that's just trying to roll with stuff on the ropes. Let some punches go in different uh, trajectories, angles, and see what happens. And, And that's what Smith did here, and it worked out for him. Okay, uh, super chat from Aaron Gortman. Thank you so much, Aaron. I appreciate it, my brother. He says, "Yo, Mike, my wife has booked a cruise to New Zealand the week of March 13. Can you please explain to her the importance of Zoovers Harrison?" Oh uh, man, hey man, a cruise to New Zealand with your your beautiful wife. You don't have much to complain about, my friend. Uh, enjoy that. Listen, Zuvers Harrison very important. But you know what? Maybe there's a way you can watch on the cruise. I, I don't know. Here's the thing, dude. You got about two months to try to figure out a solution here. You got, well, less than two months, actually. I don't know, six weeks. But you got some time to find a solution. So, so don't give up hope. Maybe there's a way you can watch the fight on the cruise. Um, hey, man, I don't blame you. I, I, if I was on the cruise that weekend, I'd be trying to find a way to watch the fight, too. That's I mean, that's why we are degenerates, right? We are degenerates, my friend. <clears throat> Super chat from Chris Bergen. What's up, Chris? Thank you so much, brother. He says, Kel Brook is coming back. Liam Smith versus Brook at 154. Wow. It could happen. Smith would have to move back down and wait. Hopefully he can do that. But it, that could absolutely happen. And listen, man, that's a big fight over there. How about this guys? What happens to uh, Conor Ben? What if Conor Ben comes back and, and him and Smith fight I, I don't know. There, there's possibilities there. there. There are options there. There are definitely options there. All right. Let's uh, let's do this fight. preview. How about that? OK. Uh, a couple things this week. So uh, this Wednesday, I want to share my screen real quick. We got Wednesday Night Boxing, everybody, on Pro Box, Wednesday, January 25th. Main card at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Future Star Wednesdays. This is going to be a series going forward. And here's what's cool. You guys can watch for free on YouTube, on Facebook. Make sure that you're subscribed to Pro Box's YouTube and that you're you like them on Facebook. And you can catch these live cards. It's free. If you don't like the ads, sign up for the pro box app. It is literally $2, $2. Okay. You can't get anything in this life right now, especially with the way things have been inflated over the last couple of years. Just going to say that you can't get anything for $2, two freaking dollars. Pretty awesome. It's the best deal in boxing right now, best deal in boxing. So uh, if you get the app, then it's, um, ad-free and you're going to have access to all the news, st- all the stuff I talked about in the show last week, that's going to be coming down the pipe with, with Probox um, with the news site and all that. You're going to get updates on the app. There's going to be all sorts of different shows, um, extra content, all kinds of stuff if you sign up for the app. All right. So check that out Wednesday night. Also uh, Friday, January 27th in Monticello, California, on uh, UFC Fight Pass. Tom Loeffler has a fight card. Sergey Bohachuk in the main event going up against Nathaniel Gallimore. That should be a fun one. And then Saturday, January 28th, we have two cards, uh, one on each side of the pond. Let's start here in America, in Inglewood, California, just outside Los Angeles. Golden Boy Promotions has a card that will be streamed on The Zone. It is the return of Bektemir Melikuziev, Beck the Bully. Also, undefeated lightweight prospect Floyd Schofield, good-looking prospect, 12-0, going up against Alberto Mercado in a 10-rounder. And then uh, the main event, Welterweights, Alexis Rocha fighting Anthony Young. That is scheduled for 12 rounds. Now, over in uh, England, in London specifically, Wembley, the big house, Queensberry Promotions has a card that will be broadcast here in the States on ESPN+. I believe the card the stream starts at 3 p.m. Eastern time. The undercard isn't the greatest. I want to say the main event is going to go on around 5 or 6 o'clock uh, p.m. Eastern time here in the states. In the co-main, this is a pretty interesting co-main, Artem Delakian defending his flyweight title for the sixth time against David Jimenez. Uh Delakian won his title back in 2018 by beating Brian Veloria at one of the superfly cards. I remember seeing him there. I was there for that show and I was impressed with him. He's kind of been overseas though ever since, uh fighting over there in his native land. I think he's from Russia originally, or maybe it's Azerbaijan, but I think he lives in Russia now, something like that. Anyway, um he is defending that belt for the sixth time. And then in the main event, Arthur Better Bev defending his three unified Light heavyweight championships against Anthony Yard uh, for Better Biev. <sighs> On the surface, he is supposed to win this fight big, right? On the surface, Better Biev is a wrecking ball of a fighter, just plows through and destroys opponents. And we've seen him stop every single opponent, we've seen him wear down really high caliber fighters, guys who are durable, proven. And Yard is a guy that has looked suspect at times. He's another one of these guys, it's kind of like Chris Eubank Jr., where he kind of relies on some natural athleticism and doesn't necessarily have all the fundamentals down. And then he's talked about before his his trainer and stuff, how they don't do hard sparring and all this sort of thing. He was technically knocked out by a jab against Sergei Kovalev in their fight in Russia after he had Kovalev seriously hurt. So on the surface, Better BF should just walk through Anthony Yard and it shouldn't even be competitive. But I got to say this and I say this with every single fight with Better BF. The guy went pro in 2013 for you math geniuses. That's 10 years ago. Technically this will be his 11th year as a pro, right? He's had 18 pro fights. 18 pro fights in a decade. So he has not been the most active fighter. He has been prone to injuries and he heals from them and he's able to come through and fight. And and so far it's worked for him at some point he is going to get old. Now I'm not saying it's going to happen against yard. It could, but even if he does get old overnight against Yard, I still think he has enough to get through it. All right. For what it's worth, I actually think Yard, his style early on in this fight is going to give better Biev something to think about and give him. I don't know, a little bit of trouble, just a little bit. He's going to have to make some adjustments and do a few things in there. And he will. He will by the middle rounds, and I think he'll start to walk Yard down and stop him late. But the people that think this is going to be a two-round blowout or something, I just don't see that. And I think it's because of the contrast of styles. Uh, For all of Yard's flaws, he is a fast, athletic guy with, I think, underrated strength. And I, I, Berterbiev is a slow starter. He's not the fastest guy in the world. With his hands and his feet, he punches through everything he hits. And so he's going to have to wear Yard down a bit. Um, don't be surprised if you see Yard have a few moments early on in this fight. Now, look, I might look like a total idiot Saturday night, and Viterbiyev and, and might get a first-round knockout, all right? But I just got this gut feel that this is going to be a little competitive early on. And um, Yard will maybe surprise a few people before Better Bia takes over and stops him. And I do like him to get the stoppage, obviously. And then I hope we see him back in the ring very, very soon. Okay. Let's see. Uh, I think I'm caught up. I believe I'm caught up on chats, super chats and such. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's jump to some phones right here. I'm going to jump to Thad. We haven't had Thad on the line in a minute. Want to hear what he's got to say? Maybe about some of the betting lines and things like that. Then we'll go from there. all right? Let's do this. All right, Thad, what's up, brother? How you doing, man?
1: Hey, Mike. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, just coming out of the dentist chair earlier today, and because uh, oh, my insurance, I had to like have everything bundled into one day. So if I sound a little weird, I took the gauze out. of if- Just uh, you know, cut me off. But it was funny. The dentist is like, "Wow, you could really take a lot. How do you do it?" And I said, "I watched Demetrius Andre fight for ten rounds (laughs) a month ago. He had no idea what I said. Like he had no idea, like boxing wise. I explained it to him. I could take anything. I said, (laughs) anything you throw at me, it's not as painful as that. So take it for what it's worth. Yeah, and it's so bad, you know. And that was pay per view." Al Heyman, boy, I tell you, all these people that said he's great for boxing, you know, they need root canals, you know, because they, they're gluttons for punishment, I think. So, you know, again, take it for what it's worth. But if you're talking um, lines come like this week, yeah, Viterbiyev is a 9-1 favorite. We've seen this before against Joe Smith. I I thought Joe Smith had a great chance to knock him off. Obviously, I was wrong. But Joe Smith did the right thing. He came after him. It, but Turbiet is just a different animal. He's just so good. And if you're a, a master boxer like Gavadzic, you get beat down in 10 rounds. If you're a master puncher like Joe Smith and a tough guy, you get knocked down in two rounds. <clears throat> you, you know, you try to headbutt like Marcus Smith, you get knocked down in like seven, eight rounds. So what do you do to beat this guy? No one's found the formula. Maybe the only one guy who has, and that's Usyk and the, uh, the amateurs. But Usyk also lost to Buterbius. I think he lost to him once or twice. Yeah. But uh, but Usyk did beat him. But Usyk is he is what he is. I mean, we all know what he is. Athletically gifted, smart, style, left-hander. I think that kind of is what you'd have to be to beat Buterbius in the pros. And uh, one thing Anthony Yard is—he's very athletic. Okay, you can't take that away from him. I think he's going to, like you said you will win early rounds. And if you're a better, if you can get in round boxing, uh, bets like on M bet MGM or at any casino, I, w- I would wait till about the fourth or fifth round to put in the bets on, um, the because you might get them a little cheaper. Hmm. Cause I see this as I, I say the is going to break them down and stop them late. Maybe between seven and nine. I think that'll be ideal. The the odds aren't out yet, but that w- that's what I would bet seven and nine. I-, I don't think he's ready to get knocked off yet. So that's, that's my opinion. Uh, again, you know, we'll see what happens. And if we're talking last week, Eubank Jr., who is he really, who is he really beaten? Why are we giving these fighters a lot of it, a lot of credit that they don't deserve? There's just too much entitlement. Liam Smith had the better resume. Yeah, he was a, and he was a lot smaller. But he had something. And that's levels. There's, he, he was in with the best. And he went rounds with the best. Eubank has, you know, struggled with George Groves, who's a nice fighter, but he's not a superstar, okay? and Billy Joe Saunders, you know, very good fighter, but he's not a superstar, and they both beat him pretty easily. So, again, when you're looking at fighters, just don't look at the names. Look at, look at their resume and what they did, and, then, and you could find a few pearls in there, because I thought Smith was going to win the fight. I didn't think it would be by knockout, but I thought he'd win the fight. Um, the only fighters that are sons of, you know, former superstars that I think are good are the, are the zoos. Okay. The two, the two brothers, I think they're legit. Everyone else, Chavez Jr. had one win against Andy Lee, but they really haven't panned out Camacho Jr. I mean, you see these guys, they they just don't have that extra gear, you know, might be called entitlement where they just don't, they're just not able to, you know, dig deep. In, in those moments so you know keep that in mind you know when you're when you're betting fights but um Mike th- here's something I want to put out there and I, I really hope the Lomachenko people understand this because this is real have you seen the pictures of Haney right now when he was you know working out in the ring with Crawford you know just kind of messing around and there's a picture mm. and and the size difference between the two.
2: Oh yeah he's it, bigger than Crawford right
1: well, he's not only bigger. Now Crawford, self admittedly, four or five years ago, said he walked four or five years ago, okay, walks around at 177, 178. He was standing on a scale and took a picture of it to prove that he was a real welterweight. So when you're looking at the scale, yeah. He had a fight about a month ago. He's probably about a buck seventy. He looks about a buck eighty, $1.80, eighty five. His head is enormous. He literally has grown, I think, in height. In the last year, he they list him at what five nine. He's nowhere nowhere near that. I think he's like 5'11", five, five, maybe five ten. But I think they list him at like five eight or something on BoxRec. It's crazy. So here's the thing: Haynes gonna 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 drain down to fight Lomachenko at one thirty five. That's gonna be his last fight at lightweight. What happened with Shakur Stevenson? in his last fight. He knew he wasn't going to fight at 130 anymore. He came in about two or three pounds heavier at the day of the weigh-in. They paid the guy off. They made the fight. He had a huge weight advantage. It was not even a fight. Who's to say that the Haney's aren't going to do the same against Lomachenko? They're going to come in, buck 38, say, hey, we can't make weight, blah, blah, blah. It could be over wherever it's going to be. Saudi Arabia, there's a big crowd out there. Who's to say that, that the is going to get stuck fighting this guy that's going to come in at 138, 139 at a huge disadvantage where is going to enter the ring about 165, while Lomachenko will be entering the think, ring about 144.
0: Well, if Haney does that, then he loses his undisputed lightweight championship. I mean, he'd give up all of his
1: belts. But, but Mike, what does it matter if it's his last fight at lightweight? You're moving up in the next fight, so... Wouldn't it behoove you? He'd have to give, to give up a, a hell lot of his
0: purse, though, dude, because he would get fined by every sanctioning body. It's not just one. He'd have to give up a significant
1: chunk would of his purse. Would he really,
2: though?
0: Yeah, he would. And and and
1: honestly, and honestly, let's, okay, let's put it in these terms. So when it's about money or, or, or legacy and future earnings. So say he does... Come in at 138 and then enters the ring at about 165. Has a 20, 20 pound advantage against Loma.
0: I think Loma would Loma walk.
1: He I don't won't be able to knock him out.
0: I, I, I know where, where you're you, going with this, but I'm telling you, with, yeah. what happened to Lomachenko against Orlando Salido taught Salido. them a lesson. Mm-hmm. They're not going there again. Yes. They're not going there again. Okay. They're, they're protected now. Okay.
1: Okay. I, that's something I'm really worried about. And I, I won't touch that fight until the weigh in. And, uh, I, I, really think it's in the nature of the Haney's and I, and let me just say, Bill Haney, all you gotta do is try to get a the deposition and the, uh, um, the affidavit of his arrest record, you know, um, on the plane, smuggling the drugs to know what kind of man he is. Okay. And, and he did a lot of things to, to lessen his sentence. Let's just say that he's a very crafty guy. He's very smart, but you know, don't, don't let his, uh, prison record fool you. This guy knows people. He knows how to change your words. Malignaggi said it best about Bill Haney. Don't put anything past this guy. Okay? And the Lomachenko people, I really hope they're doing their homework. I really hope that they're putting a clause in there and saying, hey, if this guy comes in at a certain weight, fights off or this and that. But also drug testing. It's easier to cut weight when you're when you're using clombuterol and other drugs. All right. Your your muscles act like a sponge. You you squeeze it, all the, the weight comes out. And then, boom, you rehydrate and all the weight comes back. Is there drug testing being done right now? Uh, I don't think so because the fight hasn't been announced. And that was a a trick that Mayweather used to use. He always said, I want to be the guy to announce the fight. Why? Because he could pass the drug testing at that point. Andre Ward did the same thing in the Kovalev rematch. He's like, we're not having this rematch unless I'm the guy that can announce when the fight is going to happen. And at that point, they could start the drug testing, knowing damn well they could pass it. so if that's in the language of the contract where we're going to start the drug testing now four months before the fight, I think that's in the best interest of the Lomachenko camp. I don't think they're going to be able to do that unless they act on it now, because right now this is be, this would be the time a fighter would use performance enhancing drugs, mm-hmm. they would have used them. November, December, January. Now Bill Haney, you know, stated that, yeah, I'm not going to touch the religion thing, but hey, we wanted this fight early. They wanted it early. OK? Was that really because he, you know, he said, "Oh, Devin wants to eat." You know? Um, we've seen Devin fight in May, five or six times. April or May in June, I think it's five or six times in his career. But he's fought in those months. After Ramadan previously. So, is it really Bill Haney being Bill Haney? Okay. <laughs> you know, trying to uh, maneuver a little bit. So, if I'm the Lomachenko people, I want drug testing right now. I want them going door to door. You know, I want them camping out in a hotel across the street from his training camp to do the drug testing. If this fight's on the up and up and it's for undisputed, then, you know, to the victor go the spoils? But I have a sneaky suspicion we're going to see some A-side bullshit with the Haney, with the Haney side, with, with a lot of this, uh, you know, touch and go crap, you know, take it or leave it. So I want to get your opinion on that, what you think.
0: All I can say is, I'll just tell you on the record, and, and Gail makes a great comment here. She says, trust me, Egas Klimas doesn't make a mistake the second time, and you do not cross him. I think Gail said it perfectly. I I third I don't, I don't think. Nah, Mike, third time. Third time what? Egas Klimas made
1: it two, he made two mistakes. One, with Lomachenko the first time with Salido, and and the second time with Sergei Kovalev, with Andre Ward in the rematch. Jay, that was a big mistake on that all was fronts when
0: that it, was more of a contractual thing with Kovalev. It was a little different with Kovalev. The situation with Lomachenko is a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I really wouldn't. Now, look, I'm with you on the drug testing thing. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I don't think Vada's involved, but um, wow, the weight thing I don't think is an issue. I because devin heaney the the only leverage he has here is his undisputed championship without that this fight isn't happening so he has to come in with those belts he has to make weight i do see
2: him make well he could come in
0: (laughs) well he could come in with the belts but
1: you know a day before the fight getting stripped you're still in the fight and you still have your purse and then you're moving up to 140 in your next fight anyway so again that's
0: if again, i were I just the way know, if i wanted to the way salito hustled lomachenko it was his second pro fight yeah. they overlooked him he was a welterweight basically that night they are never doing that again if if another fighter comes in overweight like that they are not going to go through with the fight Yeah. if they and i'll tell well, you I this hope, if they do the it's going to cost them it's going to cost the haney people yeah. to the tune of seven figures so i I don't sure. think that's an issue, man. But I got to jump to some other calls here, okay? Chad. All okay, right, thanks man. for
1: the time, Mike. Appreciate All it. I'll right. talk about it later, you know,
0: later on in the month, okay? All right, we'll do. We absolutely will. One. All right, man. <clears throat> Real quick, guys, a couple super chats here. Um, Isaac G, thank you so much. I appreciate it, brother. He says, I don't see yard giving Beterbiev, uh, more problems than, say, Vajdik did. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I mean, obviously Vosdick is a better fighter to me, dude. It's a, it's a styles thing and there's just something in yard style. I'm trying to think has better be fought somebody with that style. And I don't think he has, I mean, yard style is so unique, right? I, all I'm saying guys is again, I've gotten things wrong plenty of times here. Okay. Um, but in my opinion, don't be surprised if Yard puts a little leather on him early on and has a little bit of success and even backs Beterbiev up or, like, stops some of his tracks a couple of times. Don't be surprised if you see that. I'm serious. Beterbiev has been dropped early in fights, okay? Again, maybe we'll revisit it on next Monday's show. But I'm with you. On the surface, yes, Vozdik, much better fighter than Anthony Yard. I actually picked Vazdik to win that fight. I thought he would outbox Biterbiyev. Uh Boy, was I proven wrong. Actually, Vozdik did well early on, uh, to your point, Isaac. But um, he didn't have the style to keep Baterbiev off and to give him really a whole lot to think about. Baterbiev just walked through him. Just walked through him. Basically, Volagek was just a jab, and occasional straight right would come down. And that's enough to beat a guy like a Stevenson, um, but not not Arthur better be of no. So anyway, that's just my personal belief. We'll see what happens. And a super chat from BK Ron nineteen ninety three. Thank you so much. He says, Mike, the way social media and theatrics for the incoming wave of boxers coming in. Um, do you believe it will be necessary for boxers to start this, to make money? Garcia, for example, makes his revenue from boxing and his pages. Yeah. Uh, I've talked about this on my show before. I think it's a great point you bring up. And I do think that it is the future, not just of boxing, but I think you're going to see this in all sports. Uh, there are a lot of athletes, both active athletes and retired athletes. That put a lot of energy and money into their social media profiles because it's considered part of their quote unquote branding. Right. And um, to your point though, with boxers, you could build up your profile on these social media apps, and that's maybe how you can sell fights. Now, the one thing Ryan Garcia hasn't been able to do quite yet is translate his social media popularity into popularity like selling fights selling tickets like this guy he's done pretty big crowds in uh la and i think in texas he's had a couple of size sizable crowds but he hasn't done like anything like what Javante davis has done yet he hasn't had a live gate like that yet he just hasn't um he, he hasn't we don't know what i was going to do in pay-per-view. We don't know if his all these girls that watch his Instagram videos and get all hot and bothered are they going to pony up 75 bucks to watch him fight Tank Davis? I don't know. So, I agree with you. I do think social media can be used to increase a fighter's popularity and branding, especially early on in their career and get a following going as a prospect. But at some point you got to back that shit up in the ring. You just you know, if you're just a social media guy, you can do like what the Paul Brothers are doing, right? Like you could do that for a little while and make some money. That's like a gimmick. That's like a money making thing. But if you're like a real boxer doing this, at some point, you gotta back the shit up in the ring. All right, let me see. am I caught up? No, I'm not. We got another one from Will the Boxing Degenerate. Uh, The degenerate boxing fan, Lynch. Thank you so much, Will. I appreciate it. He says, what fight are you looking forward to the most this year? Just caught the show. My bad. Oh, man, you're going to love my uh, my news and notes section because I talk about this. Um, Of all the fights I previewed, and um, there's several I'm looking forward to the most. You know, honestly, dude, it's either Inouye versus Fulton or it's Joyce versus Zhang. I like those two fights for very different reasons, right? The winner between Inoue and Fulton, which should happen in Tokyo in June, that might be the pound for pound best fighter in the world. It's certainly among the top ten best fighters in the world, pound for pound. The winner of that fight, so that's a pound for pound level matchup. And then Joyce versus Zhang, that's just big boys, and that's just that's going to deliver. And I I like Joe Joyce. I like Zhang too. I like Soleil Zhang. I, I always have. Um, even when I, you know, I didn't think he was that great of a, a contender. He was; he's always been a cool guy and somebody who really, really is uh, an overachiever. He works his ass off. He has really busted his ass and worked very hard on transforming his body and learning boxing and his craft. He's really worked hard at it. Um, so I respect him a lot. But Joe Joyce, you, you guys, if you've listened to my show for years, you know I've been. I've, I've liked Joyce for a while. Um, He's slow, but as I always say, there's like a fluidity about him and a relaxed nature about him. He's a wrecking ball. It's fun to watch. I love the big boys. Love the big boys. Okay. I'm guys, I'm, uh, I'm running on fumes here. I got a bunch of calls. I'm going to get to a couple of these. I'm not going to get to all of them. So I apologize ahead of time. I'm going to skip around here and take a couple of these. Um, Let me get Nacho on real quick. Nacho's been on hold for a minute here. Nacho, what's up, brother? How you doing?
2: Hey, Mike. What's going on? Uh, Just really quick. You brought up uh, a fight this Friday, which I am going to go to. It's okay. at the Quiet Canyon, and it's called Montebello. Montebello, yeah. Monticello. <laughs> Monticello.
0: <laughs> I was thinking of wine. I think I was thinking of wine. It's Montebello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Montebello well, man. That's my boy Steve Kim. His office yeah. is out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's at, um with a country club?
2: It's the Quiet club? Canyon. Yeah, it's, yeah, a yeah. Golf, it's a golf course country golf? club. Okay, yeah. okay. But it's a cool little venue where they hold the fight. It's pretty cool. It's cool. a cool little venue to hold fights, so. I definitely am looking forward to that on Friday night for sure. Um, I think the kid that's on there with Bo, uh, Boachuk, um, Callum Walsh, I think they're moving him correctly. Yeah, And I think he's going to be a contender probably by late next year. He'll be a real contender at 47 if they keep moving him the way they're moving him. I think that's how talented the kid is. He's not going to be um, coddled. I think they're going to move him pretty quickly into a contender slot probably by the end of next year. Watch, Mike. Um, Really quick about the fights this weekend. Um, All all I got to say is, honestly, Mike, you kind of brought up some good points about Eubank. Maybe he was overtrained. Maybe the weight cut kind of got to him. I honestly think Eubank was completely overconfident. I think he walked into that ring thinking he did not have to do anything to beat Liam Smith. And honestly, his style of being kind of cocky and overconfident and just kind of feeling he can do whatever he wanted to, I think it bit him in the ass. I think he wasn't prepared for a guy who was going to walk through his shots, keep coming and attacking him. And what ended up happening was he trapped him in the corner. He had no way of, you know, spinning out of the corner. He got trapped and Liam landed that beautiful one, two uppercut left hook. And it was good night. Like he had nothing left after that knockdown. It was a wrap. And the fact that that referee let it go on, that's insane. I did not think he should have allowed him because Eubank barely got up and he looked like he was going to fall face first after that knockdown. I was very surprised the referee let it continue. But, hey, that's uh, British refs for you sometimes. That's the A-side. They'll give guys the benefit of a doubt. The A-side Yeah, judge. that's the yeah. benefit. Yeah, so, you know. But great win for uh, Liam Smith. He's a guy, like you said, he took the hard road. He got no easy fights. He was not protected. And now he got his just due. And now he's got a pick of the litter as far as guys who are going to want to fight him because they know that, you know, he can make for a fun matchup and probably, you know, bring some money along with him too. So uh, I'm very uh, happy to see him kind of get his just due for sure. He was, he's he been kind of underrated for a long time. So that was great to see him. Uh, you know, get, get some recognition finally. Um, and then with, uh, the cruiserweight fight, uh, Riyakopor against, uh, Gwolnaki. man, he took him apart easily. Riyakopor, Mike, I think that guy's going to be a heavyweight sooner rather than later. Hmm. He looks huge for cruiserweight. I can't see him sticking around that cruiserweight, uh, very long. He, he might get a couple of fights, maybe title fights. And then I could see him eventually moving up because, he looked like he was about 230 pounds in there. He looked huge. He looked like a, a small heavyweight. It was crazy. So I don't see him sticking around at cruiserweight much longer. I think he's going to try to get the title fights as soon as he can. And then eventually he moves up. Um, and then uh, Parker, Massey, that fight was just a line session for Parker. He just took Massey apart. Massey had no business in there ring with him you could see the difference in size and skill and um you know it's a decent comeback win for Parker but the thing with Parker though Mike and I hate to say it I think he's plateaued as a fighter I don't think he's getting any better um he's not necessarily getting worse but he's not getting better and at this point I don't see he could probably make for some decent matchups but I just don't see him being a guy who could beat the best of the best at, in the division. In my opinion, I think he's just going to be a guy that contenders might fight to try to boost their profile, but I don't see him being a legit champion um, at any point. Again, unless guys like Fury, you Joshua all leave the division in the next few years, then maybe he might, but as of right now, he's just a guy who's going to be used as a, a name for other guys, resumes. Um, there's two fights, Mike, that you didn't mention in your preview that I wanted to bring up so that uh, the everybody in the chat and everybody who calls in can know about. March 11th, they said it's finalized. Tony Yoka is fighting Martin Bacoli in Paris. I don't know if you heard about that fight.
0: No.
2: Yeah. So that fight's taking place on March 11th. I think that's an interesting heavyweight fight between yeah. those two guys, especially Bacoli, who's kind of, I think he's kind of a dark horse under the radar guy, and I think he could give a lot of guys problems. So it'll be interesting to see how Yoka handles a guy like him who's been wanting a fight against Tony Yoka. I think that's a very intriguing uh, matchup at heavyweight for sure. And then the other one, Mike, was uh, it's on March 23rd. It's a really interesting super middleweight fight as well. Carlos Gangora is going to travel to Canada to fight uh, Christian and Billy up oh, yeah. there yeah, yeah, yeah. and I it's going to be that. on ESPN plus. Yeah. So I think that's another fight where the winner of that fight, I think could be a legit contender at 68 for sure. I think one of those two guys is going to throw his name in the hat as far as being a legit uh, threat to somebody in the division, as far as like, they're going to make good fights either way. I think that's going to be a really good fight for sure. Um coming up in March for those two fights. I think those two fights are really intriguing. Um, and then uh, lastly, Mike, I definitely like the um, the Zoo-Harrison um, fight. I think he needs another fight like this against the next champion or an ex-contender who can push him rounds, test him, make him uncomfortable in there, and just kind of test his mettle to see where he's at as far as, like, the stage of his career and I think he needs a guy like this. I don't think walking into that Charlo fight, if it was to happen, was the best idea. I mean, I get it, but at the same time, this is a better move because he fights a guy, gets some more seasoning under his belt, and I think it just helps him to fight Charlo in the long run if he does eventually end up f- facing Charlo um, for his uh, fight, for his belts later this year. Um, and then the uh, the Inoue, um fulton fight mike if it does happen i've seen i don't know if you've seen on twitter there are um reports that they're going to do that fight on may 30th which would be memorial day weekend like right around that time have you seen that
0: i've seen that it could be may or june i just i i figured it'd be june just because i think there's a couple of fights in may it's going to be kind of loaded but maybe maybe it comes off mm-hmm. on May 30 um you know, the culture's different yeah. over there. They they have fights on, on dates that we typically in America don't have fights on, like December 31st and stuff like that.
2: So, yeah, May 30th could yeah. work. It could work. Yeah. Cool. All right, Mike. I'm sure there's other people there. Um, I'll talk to you next week.
0: All right. Thanks a lot, man. All right, no, All right man. Thank yeah. you. All right. Um, let's get my boy... I'm maybe going to take like one more call here, guys. I'm sorry I'm leaving so many of you uh, on hold. But, um, but by the way, I saw in the chat, Jack Alter, is uh, his it's his father's birthday today. So let's give a shout out to Jack's dad, uh, Mr. Alter. Happy birthday, sir. I saw that in the chat. Uh, I'm going to jump to one more call. We're going to get Michael Mendiola here on the line. Uh, Double M, what's up? How you doing, man?
3: What's up, big Mike Montero? How you doing, man? Oh, tired.
0: <laughs>
3: I'm tired. I'm sorry, man. I know you're dealing with a lot right now. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's all good, man. Been,
3: been there, done that. Yeah. I'll keep it brief. Um, I just wanted to <clears throat> weigh in a little bit on the um, the Tim Zoo situation. You had alluded earlier, to You felt that maybe Chris Eubanks was a bit overtrained. I have that same concern right now about Tim Zhu. Um, he had that conditioning camp in Thailand. Um, you know, he was training at his their their rock. I think it's called um, Rock Rockdale in Sydney, where the where the Zoo Academy is. Then he goes to Thailand, then he comes here to Cali. He's training here for the last month. Finishes off in Vegas. He's still there, finishing up. I think his last training session was today. Then <clears throat> gonna fly back home. Um, there were r- reports that his brother was gonna fly here to conduct training camp here, but since the fight, I guess, was agreed to take place in Australia. I don't know, man. I mean, you you know, I I work with fighters and I, I know that these guys stay in the gym pretty much year round, but I just think that this kid needs a couple of weeks off. He needs to let his body repair itself because jumping right back into another camp, you know, uh, readjusting back to Australia time. And then, you know, another, what, what are we, I don't know, a month and a half away from that fight. I just think if he's gonna, if there's any suspicion of him not looking good in this fight, it would be the classic example of being overtrained.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point, man. Um, you know, Steve Kim put out an article about the uh, Josh Taylor situation, and he said that fighters in this generation are overtrained and underfought. There's these camps are really super long, and these guys don't fight very often. And I'm with you. I, I think that a lot of people don't understand how brutal boxing training is. It is among the most brutal sports training I've seen. And I've been around pro football players, pro basketball, pro baseball. Um, it, it is absolutely brutal what these guys put their bodies through. And um, to, go, to put yourself through that like five, six months straight, It, it just the human body is not – Built to take that kind of beating, so I'm with you. It, it might be a little too much, man.
3: And you, like, like you had mentioned and alluded to, you have been there firsthand. You've trained yourself. You fought yourself. I, I'm involved with. I've fought myself, in the past. But I'm still involved with some fighters. We have fighters right now. I'll give you. I'll give you a quick story. I don't know if you remember back when you came to the gym and interviewed Johnny Molina, mm-hmm. but prior to that fight, prior to a fight with Omar Figueroa, I'm not. I'm not kidding when I say this. Johnny trained for 15 months consecutively. Fights kept falling out, falling out, falling out. He was he was he was on the uh, the top two list of fight Keith Thurman back in the day. He was training for that sparring, you know, three times a week. I was actually working with his sparring partner. I was actually the the corner man for one of his main sparring partners for for a good you know a good six eight weeks of sparring. That fight fell through. Um, and and once again, it, it's just these guys really need to and. and the one saving grace for Tim is that he's young still, you know, he's in, you know, his late twenties, you know, mid to late twenties, but still though, you know, he's already had the hand issues that he had to have surgery to repair. And I'm just really concerned. Like I said, if if they're smart and his uncle, Igor, who's a trainer, I mean, he's a, he's a solid trainer, but you know, with the exception of training Tim and Nikita, you know, his claim to fame really was just being the brother-in-law of Casa zoo he really needs to taper Tim back, let that fire, let like, let his body regenerate a little bit. And, you know, anyways, I, I won't beat a dead horse anymore about that, but I wanted to say one more thing about the Fulton fight. Um, you know, that was rumored to have been agreed upon everything except the, the date and the venue. And then, you know, I, I, I was just, it was crazy going on social media. I think I might've even messaged you, but I'm nor I'm neither, um, um, Japanese or African American. But I just have a just a, a neutral opinion on it. And I just feel that way is going to be too much for Stephen Fulton. And I like Stephen Fulton. I just don't think, like we had mentioned, he doesn't have the power to keep Inoue honest. Once Inoue realizes he can't hurt him, it, it's going to be just, you know, I mean, kamikaze mission. And the 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 vitriol and the hate I received <laughs> just by stating that because it it, it, it it all turned racial and I dude, I don't even understand it I just don't even understand it how there's a certain segment of boxing fans that just immediately go there and are kind of given a free pass and I really don't want to take the show in that direction but I think for the most part everybody in the chat you know is respectful of each other and 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 whatnot and I do see a couple of individuals every once in a while that just kind of mouth off some nonsense just looking to maybe bait somebody into like some some uh, you know keyboard battles but Anyways, man, I mean, at the end of the day, boxing, it, it is, it's multinational sport. It, it, I mean, from, from the Eastern Europe all the way to West Coast of California, you've got fighters, quality fighters of every ethnicity, background, upbringing, whatever you want to call it. And I just think, man, as boxing fans, that stuff just needs to be left alone. And I know know that really wasn't a topic of the situation. It wasn't really a topic today, but I had to throw it out there because I was directly attacked multiple times by people on Facebook and and Instagram. Dude, I get attacked. Just because I felt Stephen Fulton's not.
0: (laughs) I get attacked left and right, and it's, you're right, it's not cool, it's not fair, and we could use less of it. This sport is, it's already a niche sport. And um what sucks is there's so much infighting, dude. There's so much tribalism and infighting, it's just crazy. But um I would dude, that's just a great fight. And my, it's just a great fight.
3: It is a great fight. And Mike, you you as a you as a guy that has spent time in professional gyms and worked with professionals and myself as well, you know that when you enter the the, the that gym, it's all respect. Oh yeah! i mean you could come in there looking like a zebra purple hair whatever it's once you put those gloves on and you know lace up and get into that ring and spar or just whatever you do it's just all respect the color just completely goes out the window but when i hear people and see people attacking 99.9 percent of the time it's from people that have never stepped into a boxing gym because so they wouldn't know they're, they're just point. completely oblivious to what they're even talking about That's they don't know point.
0: they've gone to la fitness and hit the heavy bag they think they have trained in boxing because <laughs> yeah. it's like you said, man, when you um when you actually are there in the gym, if you're the new guy, you're going to get some looks. There might be some talking a little bit. But when you get in the ring and you take your lumps and you do some sparring and the guys see you come back and come back and come back, you get that respect. And, and it's all love. Yeah. And, and people will make jokes. I mean, dude, my gym, anything goes like the the gym I train at. Uh, There's all kinds of jokes and stuff that would get people canceled. You know what I'm saying? Um, I I look very different than most of the guys at my gym. So I get a lot of jokes thrown at me and shit, but it's, it's (laughs) all in fun. It's all in love. And we have a great time. And um, I just wish the fans could be more like that, but I guess not.
3: I agree, man. I agree. Well, (laughs) keep doing what you do, Mike. You're great at it, brother. And and continued blessings for for little Jack. I know you guys are dealing with that issue right now, but, I'm sure she'll, she'll grow out of it sooner yeah, rather than later. I hope so.
0: so. I hope so. It's been rough, man. It's been <laughs> rough. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you for taking my call, man. Thanks, Pazan. Have a good one, man.
3: All right. Bye-bye.
0: There he goes. There he goes. And uh, G Funky in the chat, he says, uh, over-emotional fans are a hard pass for me. Same way, dude. I just – I just block these guys now. And like, so a lot of people will be like, oh, Montero blocked me. I I won that battle. It's like, no, you didn't. You're just a fucking loser. And I don't want to waste my time. Um, I'm done with that, dude. I'm a dad now. Okay. My time is limited. It's important. So uh, anyway, guys, that is it. Um, MAW says uh, fanboys are flip side haters. Yeah. You know, I heard a great expression today. Um, Haters are confused fanboys. Think about that. Um, Someone told me that, and I was like, "Hmm." because we were talking about the flack I get, and uh, someone said, you know what? These people are your biggest fans. They watch every damn episode of your show. They record stuff and post it on Twitter and stuff. Haters are confused fanboys. Think about it that way, guys. I Have a great week. I'm sorry for everyone I left on hold. We will... um, I'll try to do a show Friday. I know I didn't get to last Friday. We'll try to do it Friday.
2: Either way, we'll be back next week, guys. Enjoy your week. Enjoy the fights. Peace.